0: Today is August the 15th, 2018, this is episode 2272 of the Survival Podcast. And I've got a great one for you. I've got Darby Simpson and maybe Diego Footer. I'm not sure if I've got both of them for this or not yet. I'm pre-recording the introduction uh, about an hour before the interview. I'll see when I get in touch with Darby if we're doing both of them or just him. But what we're going to be talking about is Darby's course that he's done with Diego called The Farm Business Essentials course and even if you don't want to take that course, I, I still think today's episode uh, will be uh, enlightening for you. We're going to be talking about farming as a business, how to raise livestock, building a marketing and business plan, setting goals, the infrastructure and the equipment that goes along with this. And what I've always said is, even if you're not interested in a farm business, when you understand a farm business, you understand business. And I think that's one of the biggest things that people get in trouble going to farming. I think it's different than other businesses. It's very, very much the same thing. And then so then if you're not interested in the business, I'll just point out that understanding business makes you a better investor and it makes you more valuable as an employee to whomever you work for. And it makes you better at managing your own money apart from just typical investing. So business and entrepreneurship are subjects that we should all be familiar with. And if you think you're seeing a theme this week, you kind of are. Uh, I got a really great opportunity, along with the 10-year anniversary party. John Pugliano came into town before everybody else did, and tomorrow I'll be airing a podcast that I did with John sitting at my kitchen table, actually my dining room table is more accurate, Uh, on the richest man in Babylon. Yesterday I did a podcast on selling, how to sell. I said this is the most valuable skill most people are never taught, and I really believe that. Today we're going to talk about the business of farming. So this week, I'm really trying to pump you guys up toward taking control of your lives through the most important thing that influences the control of your life, and that's money. And I know a lot of people think that, like, when you say that, when you say, like, money is the number one thing that influences your life, like, that's bad, and we shouldn't accept that, and that's wrong, and, you know, my family's more important to me than money. Yeah, but your family has to eat, and you have to feed them, and the way we feed our families today is with with money or growing our own food, which is farming. And farming, to me when it's done properly, is the generation of wealth. Whether it is food for you to eat, or whether it is food that you sell for money, it's the generation of wealth. It's the ultimate in the understanding that all wealth actually extends from natural systems and harnessing them properly. And so I really think that when you try to say that there's more things more important in life than money, while that's true, it doesn't change that the number one thing that influences the quality of your life is still money. And you can have a little money and be happy if you manage it well, if you control it well. And that's why I wanted to stack kind of these three things together, how to sell yourself as an employee, uh, to sell an idea, to sell a product, to sell a service. Then we'll get into business, and then tomorrow we'll talk more about investing. So this week is designed to be like a mini MBA in how to manage your life, money, and business. With that in mind, uh, we'll get to all of it and more in just a second. Before we do, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Western Botanicals. I love Western Botanicals, and I go to them for everything herbal, especially when it comes to pre-prepared herb- herbal preparations. Um, but what I love about Western Botanicals is they, they don't bullshit. The wor- world of herbalism is so full of crackpots and loons and snake oil salesmen that it was—it was it was... Uh, the th- kind of thing where I was like, I'd really like to have a sponsor from that place, from that world, from that market that I can refer to people to. But everybody that I looked at that was big enough and kind of you know had enough stuff to, to, to talk to about sponsorship was like, no, I don't really feel good about this. When I found Western Botanicals, I found a company I could trust, so I could recommend them. If it's herbal and legal in the United States, you'll find it at Western Botanicals. And everything you find there will be either organically grown or wild-crafted. It's funny. You can't—you know when you wild-craft something, you can't call it organic? It's, that's a true story. So that's either wild-crafted or organically grown. They have real people that really care about you. They'll answer a real phone and talk to you and help you with any of your uh, customer service needs. And they'll give you their discount membership that's worth $50 a year for free if you're an MSB member. You can learn about that in the benefits section of the MSB. Next up today, Self-Reliance Magazine. Um, this magazine is brought to you by the family that originally brought you Backwoods Home. We had over two decades of Backwoods Home. It's really kind of transition, transitioned into Self-Reliance Magazine. I haven't read the latest edition. I kind of thumbed through it. It just showed up yesterday. But uh, expert council member Doc Bones has an article on uh, medical treatment during an earthquake. Uh, in in the, to this issue of the magazine to give you an idea of how much in the family this this group of people are and the co- kind of quality content that you won't find elsewhere within Self-Reliance Magazine. And our own nurse Amy is featured in uh, in photographs of that article as well, uh, providing some aid in treatment to a uh, bleeding injury, if I remember right. It's a great magazine. It's a quarterly. That means it comes once, you know, four times a year. And uh, it's just a great magazine from great people. You can learn more at self-reliance.com. And it is available through Kindle on Amazon as well. So make sure you consider that as one of your options. It'll save you some money. You won't get the big quarterly printed, colorful, high-quality magazine if you do it on Kindle. It's up to you. Uh, They also have some great resources at their website. Again, self-reliance.com. Before I bring uh, uh, Darby on and possibly Diego, we'll find out in a moment. I'm serious about that. Uh, Let's take a look at the year in history. David Verne has returned from his hiatus. We're up to the year 147 A.D. We're still in the world of Rome. We have the Parthians united. Uh, The Parthian Empire has split in a civil war since the days of Trajan's invasion in 117. This year the two rival kings died leaving the throne to Volgassus the ninth, or actually the 4th I'm sorry I'm going to brush up on my Roman numerals Volgassus IV, 4th the son of one of the rivals he reunited the empire and began rebuilding the empire's strength my take by David Verne During this era Rome fought no major wars and the divided Parthian empire was a large region for that the Germanic tribes never posed a serious threat to the safety of the empire But the Parthian Empire did. Its size and population made it the only nation that could go toe-to-toe with the Romans at the height of their power and sometimes win. Now the Parthians were united again, and a new war wouldn't be far off. What I immediately thought of is a quote that's often misquoted from Ronald Reagan. And I do think it's kind of what he meant. It was the point he was making in the speech where he said it. What people say Ronald Reagan said was, No nation has ever been attacked for being too strong. Uh, And, of course, Reagan was big on building up the U.S. military, the MX Missile Program, Star Wars, which was SDI, all that stuff. What Reagan actually said was this. Of the four wars in my lifetime, none came about because the United States was too strong. Now you get the sentiment from there, but you, you understand the flaw in the sentiment. And that's, that's why I think Reagan was actually really astute at choosing his words carefully, unlike our current president, though the two, from a policy standpoint, are almost identical. It's almost like Trump is actually looking at Reagan's playbook and coming right out of it. And I know a lot of people would do it, that, that think of Reagan fondly would have a hard time believing that, but, oh, we forget history quickly, folks. I mean, it is the, the protectionism and tariffs early on – You know, All of these things are right out of the Reagan playbook. But what Reagan was saying here is, yes, we need to be perceived as strong. That is not going to make our enemies attack us. However, if you look strong to an enemy, you can become a target, especially when you're building to a strength where you could be a threat, but you're not there yet. And the lesson of history, then, is that if you're going to build strength... Thou shalt do it quickly and swiftly before thine enemies strike to prevent you from reaching a level where you can defeat them. And uh, I'm not saying that's what we should or shouldn't do. I'm just saying that history shows that to be true. That when one power sees another power as a potential threat, the stronger that power gets, especially when they're not yet to the point where they're strong enough to likely win, the more likely you are to have some sort of preemptive war. The United States, I think, has kind of been on both sides of that because um, while Reagan was correct that none of the wars in our lifetime came about, or his lifetime came about, because uh, the U.S. was seen as too strong, uh, the First World War was one we injected ourselves into, and we didn't have to. The Second World War, we were attacked by the Japanese, we injected ourselves into Europe, and we probably absolutely needed to. There was a real threat, of course our intervention in World War One really kind of helped set that up. Just saying. Uh, and then uh, Korea and Vietnam, we, we inserted ourselves into the lives of other nations in, in both of those situations. So while we were not attacked for being too strong, with the exception of one of those four wars that M- Mr. Reagan was pointing to, all of them were wars we injected ourselves into. And we injected ourselves into those wars to make his point because we believed that the enemy was weak, weak enough that we could win. And there's, you know, the art of war. Never initiate a battle unless victory is certain. That's a paraphrase, but uh, it's something that plays in all of this. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. And with that, hey Darby man, welcome to the Survival Podcast.
1: Jack, thanks for for having me back. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to believe that... You and I first did this almost seven and a half years ago.
0: That is kind of crazy, man. You know, it really is. Uh, That's one of the things I love about this show and this community is the longevity of the relationships. Um, I don't know many other communities where you have things like that where people have been working together seven, eight years in in this modern day. Usually people have gone off to do something different. So let me just say, man, I, I really appreciate that you've been supporting our work and part of what we do for that long. So, man, thanks for that.
1: Oh, hey, you're most welcome. Um, as you know, I'm a teacher at heart, and I just I like helping people, and like being a part of this community. So uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been fun to, to be around and kind of you know watch uh, what you've done with with your podcast and your audience grow and and morph over the years, and uh, to be a part of it's uh, you know it's been very fulfilling for me personally.
0: So because you've been around so long, and since you're on the expert council, a lot of people know about you or at least of you. But let's go back with the uh, you know the get to know Darby uh, little elevator speech anyway. I'll take us back like you're in high school trying to figure out what you do with your life. How do you end up you know on a farm moving pigs and chickens around every day? From, ah, you know, connecting those two. What, what wonky path gets you there? Because I know it wasn't a straight line.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was not a uh, it, it was not a straight line. Uh, it was a. Roller coaster, uh, God-induced curveball, all uh, kind of rolled into one. Um, I grew up on a family farm in central Indiana, um, and probably about the time I was five or six years old, started showing that first little inkling of being interested in farming. My grandfather totally shut me down and said, you don't want to be a farmer. You can't make any money in farming. Go do something else. And, um, and it was about 1980. And that was not a good time in our country to be a, you know, a small acreage, small family farm. Yeah, so, that, was,
0: that was not just a few years uh, after the entire go home or a go big or go home speech uh, from our, our uh, Secretary of Ag, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. So, you know, we've got about um, a little less than 300 acres here on on our family farm. and. Uh, so with that you know uh, Grandpa leased out the the last of the the fields to the neighbor uh, they started snowbirding in Florida uh, he and my grandma and I went and did something else and uh, actually kind of got into the mechanical engineering side of things and did that for you know 13 14 years very successfully but in my early 30s which there seems to be a trend here with people in their late 20s early 30s you kind of go through this awakening of i've I've bought into what society told me, and it's really not all it's cracked up to be. I mean, I had the good job, the benefits, the insurance, you know, the house, the two point three kids, and the dog. Um, but there was just something missing. So I kind of started researching like what I could do with the farm and at the time, I thought when I'm an empty nester when the kids are grown and gone, it's a second career um and started finding guys like elliot coleman who does really cool veg production in maine and then that led me to joel salton um you know uh did my my first little you know trial run of 50 pasture broilers back in 2007 uh (laughs) saying that out loud it's kind of hard to believe it's been that long ago um and that was the gateway drug into farming um and then uh we we grew the farm very well for a couple of years uh, through two thousand and ten i I joked that in two thousand and nine farming quote unquote part time I did two thousand broilers and about twenty hogs um, was at a point where I either had to go full time or you know back it down a little bit i couldn't keep up that pace, lost my job not once but twice in the great Recession and just took the farm full time in two thousand and ten and you know, that kind of, kind of brings us to where we're at today, still producing a couple thousand pasture broilers every year, finishing 20 head of cattle, about 60 pigs and a hundred Thanksgiving turkeys.
0: Awesome, man. So you've been doing some really great things with, uh, with Diego footer. You've been doing the grass fed life podcast. Uh, you got the course that we're going to be talking about today, but can we talk about how you and Diego first kind of synced up with each other?
1: Yeah, well, um, a, a lot of people probably don't know this, but that's really 100% because of my Uncle Jack Spierko. Um <laughs> you, you got me connected with Diego when he was looking for some potential speakers. Uh, this would be about three years ago, uh, roughly about three years ago, uh, fall of 2015. He was looking for speakers for what would become uh, Permaculture Voices 3 uh, conference out in San Diego. And um, you got us connected. Uh, I agreed went out there and spoke um which felt weird because I was speaking with with Darren Doherty and Greg Judy uh in in the you know the 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 large acre segment and that was just kind of you know Wayne's world like we're not worthy uh moment for me um but I had a fantastic time out there got to meet a lot of people you and I finally got to meet in person um and uh connected with Diego and he said hey uh, what would you think about doing a podcast? I've, I've been doing another podcast with this with this veg guy named Curtis Stone, and that's going pretty well. Would you want to do one on livestock? And I said, sure. Um, and we really like we didn't we didn't have any motives with the podcast at that time beyond just talking about you know what we were doing and
0: just doing uh, something, right?
1: Yeah, just doing something. And Diego's become a uh, beyond becoming a very successful entrepreneur who's transitioned himself. From the finance world to what he's doing now, uh, he's just a fantastic interviewer and really kind of kind of like a small ag journalist is is how I would define him. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how you know he and I got connected and got started and Grass-Fed Life is you know it's up to over a hundred episodes now.
0: You know, I, I think we both had a pretty big highlight for ourselves uh, during that one. Um, I had met Greg the year before at PV two, and I, he's always been somebody I've greatly admired, uh, as I do Joel Salatin. But Joel is not that approachable. If you know what I mean, at one of those things, like he'll hang out for an hour after he presents and shake hands and and say how you doing. He just kind of goes away then, right? And I, it's probably because he speaks so much. Where Greg, like when I met him, he's like, oh, I know who you are. Like we had breakfast every day at PB2. Yeah, and he really, really approachable, and I and I really, I mean, and I know you too. Just admire the hell out of his work. So, like, one of my highlights as a teacher was, and I know you had the same experience, him sitting in on your class, he sat in on my class, and watching him take notes. Like, when I saw Greg Judy taking notes in my class, I was like, holy crap. Uh, I must be doing something right. And, and I know you had that experience, too. I, I think that was, like, one of the really cool things about PV3 is it was smaller, and it was, like, more close-knit and more things like that, I think, went on.
1: Weirdest experience of my farming life. <laughs> Uh, is how I would categorize that because my, my class was about three and a half hours. So we go two hours, and I'd seen Greg was sitting in the back, and I had sat in his class the day before and, and tried not to be a, a weird fanatical groupie. <laughs> um, and so we had a little intermission, and then Greg moved up to, like, the front table. And I'm so I'm going through the second half of my presentation on, like, marketing and sales and that kind of stuff. And, th- you know, that this is something that Greg will readily admit they kind of struggle with a little bit. And he's taking, he's taking notes. And I thought, man, that's really weird. Well, the next morning I, I had the privilege to um, to have about a two-hour breakfast with he and his wife. And somewhere in the conversation I said, Greg, can I ask you a question? And he goes, well, yeah, sure. And I said, did you take notes in my class yesterday? <laughs> and he goes, you hold on a second. He leans over and get, gets in his briefcase and opens it up and just starts flipping through the pages one at a time. And this guy had taken like five pages of notes. And I, I, got, I told him, I said, Greg – this is really weird for me. This is like <laughs> young Obi-Wan teaching Master Yoda. Yeah. Okay? yeah. And uh, he goes, hey, I'm, I'm willing to admit I don't know it all, and I'm willing to learn from people. And he said, I sat in your class for about ten minutes, and I said to myself, this guy knows his shit, and I took as many notes as I could. And yeah. that was a very big compliment to me.
0: If you want my opinion, that's what makes him a great teacher. It is. It is. He's you know, you don't know healthy. something. Like, Because he wasn't taking notes on when to move a cow. he's no. taking notes on how to move a piece of cow to the market, right? I mean, that, that that's one of the things that I think a lot, and that's what we're going to get into here in just a second. That's one I think a lot of people struggle with. Like, you can learn a lot about how to actually manage animals, and that's an incredibly important part of it. But most people, you know, they either quit because everything dies, or they figure it out and everything doesn't die and it makes it to, to the end. But but getting that to market—that's that's where you get your money.
1: Yep, that's where you get your money.
0: So we kind of talked about the, the the Grassfed Life podcast, but how did that then lead you to do the online course you're doing now?
1: Well, so it didn't really. The online course really wasn't even a thought. Um, we we started doing the podcast in March of uh, sixteen. I guess it was, and uh, we, we did it for a few months, and we just had like this flurry of questions come in. I mean we were hitting topics that most people in this space will not deal with, the, the business side, cash flow, marketing strategies, uh, farming reality. You know, like you can say farming is hard, and everybody will nod their head in agreement. You have no freaking clue how difficult and hard this is the stress it puts on your life, your family, your finances, it's really, really difficult to make it over the hump. Um, I, I saw a really interesting stat just a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm a member of Farmer to Consumer Legal Defense Fund, and if you're not in your farming, you need to be. There's a blog article on that on grassfedlife.co. But they noted that uh, what was it, only 2% of their membership was uh had been farming for 5 or more years. And that just kind of tells you like, you know, how many farms kind of fail and and go under. Um you know, it's a it's a very very difficult thing and that those were topics that we, you know, we tackled head on on the podcast and people responded to it and then we started getting questions about hey, or you know, is because I had done a workshop here on my own just a one day thing in 2015, we start getting questions about Hey, you know, is Darby going to do any more workshops? And, and that, that kind of led to us doing our first three day workshop, which we had about 30 people from literally all over the world. I mean, United States, Canada, Chile, um, uh, California, which is a whole nother world in and of itself. But anyway, we had people from all over the world attend. Um, and it went really well. And, um, people were so, so appreciative of, what we put together. And it wasn't just me. I mean, this is Diego, too. And this guy, again, an entrepreneur that's transitioned himself, well, first from engineering. He actually has an engineering degree. He has a, a master's in finance, and he worked in both of those fields, and he's he's transitioned into a self-employed individual. So I said, hey, you know, if we're doing this workshop, like, you're, you're doing it with me. And uh, so we did that for a year and a half, I ran ran that three-day course three times, refined it, added to it. And then you know, kind of got to a point where it's like it, more people want to come than are it, it's it's hard to travel you know people travel to your place um people that want to come they they you know they got animals or they they can't take time off work or a family member they're caring for or whatever so there were requests to put it online, so we actually uh started over a year ago uh to you know putting this this course online and uh it's it's been a huge mountain of work, but now we've we've got something that's you know ten years of field data <laughs> for me uh, that that's you know proven and, and working uh, that people anywhere in the world can can sign up and take if they're interested in 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 trying to not just do this and succeed, Jack, but do it and uh, avoid the big huge landmines. That can blow you up along the way.
0: Got you, you. So, what is contained in this online course? What would a person get versus having gone to one of the in-person ones?
1: Well, so um, most of the content from the in-person stuff, well, all the all the content from the in-person stuff is is in the online. Uh, we've been able to expound upon and add to the online course, uh, from what we were able to do in person, like people's brains can only absorb so much in three days. And, and usually after about two days, I mean, they were, they were pretty fried. Um, so one, one thing we did in person is we actually printed off and made bound books that were about two inches thick, of all the, the, the presentations that, that they got to go through in the class. But we've been able to add to the online because it's a, you, you go through it at your own pace. um, and uh like if there's something you feel like, well, you know, hey, I'm not going to start raising cattle tomorrow. Well, then you can skip the whole module on cattle. You can start with the module on on pigs or 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 poultry or maybe you don't even have land. So you want to start like doing, you know, the business research. Well, then you can you can start with those. But there's there's 20, 23 modules out there and roughly a third of it, to your point earlier, is on. Like this is how to go raise the animals. These are things I do on my farm. Um, but there, again, there, there are so many Greg Judy, right? Uh, and Joel Salatin, and you know Cody Holmes, and all these other guys. That, like there are so many resources on how to raise the animals that we really wanted to focus more on the holistic context stuff, the the business, the you know insurance, legal. We've been able to add spreadsheets to the online. That's something that we, we didn't include in, in the in-person workshops. Uh, chicken tractor plans, complete diagrams uh, to, to build those. Um, there, there's a very, very active Facebook group. It is, I'm very, very proud of that group. You know, somebody posts a question in there now. I'm not the first person to answer. I'm usually about the fifth or sixth person to answer. Um, it's just a very cohesive group of people encouraging one another and, you know, cheering, cheering everybody on to success. Um, digital tools. I mean, there's just, there's so much that we're able to put online that we couldn't, couldn't do in person. So it's really been enhanced and, you know, we're not done. We just kind of sort of keep adding stuff, which is just my personality and Diego's personality.
0: Gotcha. So who is this really for? Like, is this only for people that want to do what you do and farm full time? Is it for people that, you know, just want to make a little bit of a side hustle? Would it benefit the person that just wants to homestead and and, and do this for themselves?
1: I I think, yeah, like if you just – we'll start with the lowest common denominator. Like if you just want to homestead and and do this for yourself, um, I I think it will save you a whole lot of, you know, uh, frustration, uh, trial and error. We we do come at everything from a business approach, so – You know, we're definitely advocates of like, look, buy the right gear, buy the right equipment. Um, But it will save you so much time, money, and effort that I think a lot of homesteaders could justify it. Beyond that, like, I don't care if you want to farm part time, and you know, maybe you're looking for that that half income so that a spouse can stay home with kids. We've had several people who have signed up for the course that like that's their goal, right? They've got little kids. They don't really need two full-time incomes, but they can't make it on one full-time income, so they they're looking for that that side hustle to, you know, maybe they want to raise 10, 15, 20 pigs or, you know, a 1,000 broilers to make enough money so that somebody can stay home. Uh, I think it's a a great tool for that. Really the the full course like it was developed for for me looking back. 12 years ago because there, there wasn't a resource like this like you had to piecemeal everything together. It's like, okay, well I'll get this book and this magazine and I'll go to this conference and, you know, I'll be in this forum. It was just so piecemeal. There wasn't a cohesive, you know, A to Z uh, approach to starting a business regardless of it being a farm like starting a business for success coupled with, okay, well this is how we're going to do a farm business here's the you know the things you need to walk through um you know diego's got a whole holistic context section in in the course that i'm really proud of and i tell people like look start there you know uh don't go buy a bunch of chickens because you maybe maybe you're not ready for chickens we've had people come to the workshop and after that section they're like you know i came here thinking i'm gonna go build uh chicken tractors in my garage all winter and three days later, they're like, "No, I'm not. Like that's the third enterprise I'm going to start now. I'm going to start with pigs. And, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's this really is an attempt to have an A to Z, front to back, you know, all, all inclusive course to get. I'd say anybody who that you're not farming right now, uh, maybe you're maybe you're dabbling and you're ready to you know dabble with intent." which is, you know, uh, you're ready to try to make some money at it. Uh, maybe you, we've had a lot of people that have been like dabbling with intent for two to three years. and They're trying to figure out like, OK, how do I stitch all this together? Um, that's that's been the bulk of the people that have come to the course. But we've we've had people we had a, a gentleman that, that came uh, to one of the in-person workshops from California. He'd been ranching for like 30 or 40 years. So he knew. You know, he's probably forgotten more than I'll ever know about cows. Mm. But they were really struggling with the marketing, and that that was why he came. That's what he wanted to get out of it. So we've really seen a very large cross-section. But um, definitely side hustle, um, which, you know, you, we outside of the full course, I mean we've got just a standalone pasture poultry course mm. that if you just want to start with chickens, like start with that, and then if you decide you want the full course later – we let you upgrade for the difference in price. We don't double charge you. That's not that's not what we're about or what we're after. Um, but if you are like me, like I knew when I started this in 2007, like my eventual goal, goal was to transition, and that's the word I'll use, to transition from successful mechanical engineer to successful uh, pasture-based livestock farmer that could stay home with his kids while they were little, you know, uh, be with my family more, uh, make this, you know, a, a, a family venture. Like this was really developed to help somebody transition from wherever they're at in life right now to where they want to go. But they, they get it, you know, with the help of this course, they get to define where it is they're going.
0: Well, and I'll tell you why I think that even the person that's that right now thinks I'm never going to do this as a business, but I want to, I want to grow some chickens, put them in, in the freezer. Uh, or I want to do a couple, a couple pigs or something like that. If you're doing this for your family, then your goal should be to produce the highest quality food you can, yes, but it should also be to do it cost effectively. And I don't think you can do that if, even if you're just producing for yourself, you're not treating it like a business. Like, because that's how you make sure, like when people say, well, how much do you have in, you know, a pound of pork? Most people don't come up with a number. They don't, know. you know that, Darby, they don't know. They don't know. They have no idea that they might have just bought the most expensive piece of pastured pork that will ever exist on the planet. Th- then the other thing is, if you were going to do chickens, and you said to me, and you, let's say you weren't a farmer at all. I, I, I know this guy Darby. You should go check out what other Darby's doing. You're other Darby who doesn't have a farm. He said, I'm just going to do 50 chickens, Jack, for my family. I'd be like, well, why don't you do 100? Yep. It's not that much more work. Sell 50 to your friends and family. You're going to lose money on paper, file a Schedule F, and take the deduction. And if you do decide you want to do it, now you have a year of farming and a year of agricultural returns. You get another year, you got two behind you, then it opens up all types of opportunities with USDA grants and loans and stuff like that. Like So why wouldn't you take that approach? And you're probably going to make money on the 50, but you're still going to be able to lose money on paper.
1: Right. Yeah. That I, like think, sense? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we have a lot of people that will do this like, you know, they they, they want to do it well They and they want to do it well enough that, like, they can put their stuff in the freezer effectively for free. Right. So and it's exactly what you said. Um, you know, I was always scared to death to scale up on chickens, you know, it started with 50 and went to 100. And this is something I, I I talk a lot about with people who are farming and I, I do some consulting and I'll talk with people that are doing like, you know, uh, four batches of 200 chickens over the course of a year. I'm like, why don't you do two batches of 400? You literally you cut your work by like 40, 45%. Sure. Um, and then, oh, now by the way, you've got 16 weeks where you don't have chickens in your life. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, I think, you know, even if you go into it with, with that mindset it's it you're absolutely right. people don't know what they have invested in something. that's why you see eggs for sale for two dollars um, you know, and if they really did the math and realized that they had you know three or four dollars a dozen in them, then they, they wouldn't sell them at a loss.
0: Gotcha so I think one of the really th- things I really like about your course, unlike a lot of stuff that's out there in this space is you have a lot of financial modeling. But you didn't get your financial modeling by getting the average price of beef in America and then some pie in the sky, BS. Like you can actually substantiate the numbers that are presented in this course, correct?
1: Yeah. So all the numbers you see me talking about in the course, like those are my real life numbers. Um, that's what we sell product for. Um, you know, a- as of 2018. Um, so this is my, my data. Uh, these, these are my numbers I've developed, and I, you know, I, I don't drill down to the penny, right? Um, but I, I try to keep very good track on exactly like, okay, well, how many pounds of chicken did I get back from this batch? What was my survivability rate? What were all my costs? So I can I can go in and get within one or two percent, very very accurately of like these are my real you know, profitability numbers. Um, and that's, again, that's data we include in the course. Those, those spreadsheets are out there for people to, to use.
0: Yeah. And I, I think there's something to be said for using real numbers and, and real, real models that, that somebody else has already used and improved uh, because, and because, and I would say also probably improve. I'm sure your spreadsheets have changed over the years. Uh, yeah. and so you, you were an engineer by trade. So if you want, if you want a good spreadsheet, get get your template from an engineer. I'll I'll just throw that on top of that as icing. Um, but I mean, there's a, like I said, there's a, I, I can go build a spreadsheet, but I may not do it. I, I will not do it the best the first time around. You did So having something to start with that's already been proven to use, I think it's incredibly valuable.
1: Right, and it's it's a it's a jumping off point, right? Like. W- one thing we stress is, like, you have to go get your numbers and put them into this spreadsheet, and you have to survey, you know, like, your clientele, like, what can you sell product for? I mean, you there's a balance there, Jack, right, between, well, Excel says I need to sell it for this, but I've got to look around and make sure that I'm at least within the ballpark, right? You know, that's kind of the, the, the gut check part of it, but I think – Selling product like 90% of that should be completely non emotional. And that's one thing I've always stressed with what we do. And when I'm teaching is like it, you know, my old adage, Excel never lies. Like it spits out a number. And if you really want to go do this, if you want to leave mechanical engineering or nursing or accounting or whatever, you know, all these different things that we've, we've had people leave. Uh, to, to approach farming, like you've got to pay yourself well and you can't, you know, you can't show up at the farmer's market and say, oh, well, I got to be the cheapest guy. No. No, 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 no. You've got to know what you've got into your product and you have to determine, you know, what you want to pay yourself for your labor. Right? And, and that's, that's what we walk through in these spreadsheets. And is it going to be perfect the, you know, the first year, the second year, the third year? No. But it's going to get better. You're going to get it closer. You start to get a feel for, well, no, my my product's vastly superior. I can be 20% more expensive than everybody else, right? And, um, you know, th- those are the, the kinds of things that we want people to use all these tools, again, as a, a jumping off point, uh, a substantiated, right, in the Midwest. Like these are solid, solid numbers in the Midwest. And I think if you're in the five-state area, these are probably pretty solid for about anybody. Outside of that, you you got to, you know, start kind of figuring out, you know, what your market will bear, what people want, what's important to them. That changes certainly from region to region.
0: Well, I think there's a, there's a thing in there that people don't want to hear but they need to hear and that is if Excel says you need to sell for this price and your market won't support that price, you either fix your costs so you can, you know, lower the sale price and make the same profit. Or you don't do that thing in your market, right? Like, and I, I highly doubt that there is a market in the United States today that you can't make money on pastured pork and pastured poultry. I I highly doubt that. But in the end, if you can't do it, then stop. Do something else.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Change the model, or or don't do it. You know. And I've I've met people in regions like they're just too far ahead of the curve. Right? But it's like it's going to come. So go do something else until, you know, things catch up or you do it small scale where you're not dependent upon it. And you, you know, there, there's a, um, there's a portion of this, Jack, where it's, you know, like, look, if you're, uh, if you're blazing the, the trail, there's a, there's a little bit of this is we got to throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. You might be surprised. Right. Yeah. Uh, And if you do it small scale as a side hustle starting out, well, then you slowly build your customer list. You build your brand image. You build those relationships. And you know what? Three, five years down the road where it may have been almost impossible to sell a twenty dollar chicken five years ago, you may not be able to keep twenty five dollar chickens in stock.
0: Yeah, we eventually decided that we were going to get out of that business for lifestyle reasons. But it's exactly what we did with Duck Egg's. When we started, we looked at the market right here, everybody was selling duck eggs for 3 to $4 a dozen. But what we noticed was no one could actually provide them at scale over time. The reason they were selling them so cheap is they had 12 ducks running around their backyard, and they sold whatever was left over. They didn't care what they got for them. And, you know, we built our own customers. We developed our own customers, and that customer base grew to where we could move the product before the duck made it. And so I think you're dead on that like when you don't have a market that you can sell 500 birds into, you probably can still make a market that you can sell a hundred birds into. And that market then creates referrals. And once somebody experiences the quality you're providing, then it's like, well, I've got, they don't care that they're paying more as long as they can afford it. They're like, there's a reason I'm doing this.
1: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And you know, I mean, I, I I think I got pretty fortunate when I started here. Like I think central Indiana, uh, Indianapolis specifically, like it was, it was blossoming.
0: Right time, right right place.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we'll, we'll call that, you know, either luck or divine intervention, depending on your perspective. Um, uh, you know, I tend to view things through the, uh, the latter, but it was, uh, just great timing so that i started out doing you know 150 birds that first year and then the next year we did a thousand and the year after that 2000 and the year after that 3000 uh now i had to work my tail off you know to to get that marketing list built up that fast in 4 years um but yeah we were you know we were selling 20 dollar chickens left and right you know we couldn't uh, we couldn't keep them in stock um so again start small fail small build your brand image, build your customer base and I I do think you'll be surprised. And you know, one one other thing I talk about Jack is if you're in extreme rural setting, you know, y- you you can you can do super small scale for a while, but to, you know, to kind of build this thing up to a point of impact if your your goal is to get that that, you know, that half income or that that whole income out of it, like I have. Um, you know, you might have to travel Right. You may have to drive a couple hours to get to a good market. But I'm telling you, like, that's totally, totally worthwhile, you know, to drive two hours each way for a fantastic market versus 30 minutes each way for a terrible market.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of times people are in more rural areas where they're doing the growing. And it's hard to sell because the people that really care about food quality in those rural areas, a lot of times they're growing their own food. Yep. Uh, I used to feel bad when I used to go to the Hot Springs, Arkansas farmers market and saw how many people trying to sell tomatoes. Because I was like, good God, anybody in this climate that wants a fresh grown tomato in July has one out their back door. Like, you just, you're not going to move that product here. But I'll tell you who did good business. There's a guy there uh, that was doing a lot like what you do pastured poultry and pork, got his start following Joel Salatin. And he sold his product like crazy to the point where he was also doing rabbits. And for some reason with the law, he couldn't sell the rabbits there. So he had to go to his farm to, to to buy the rabbits. But he had built his entire customer base for the rabbits from the farmer's market for people that would actually drive to his farm to buy the rabbits. And so there was something different that he was doing. I think that's key too.
1: Yeah, it is. it is. And something I'm sure he experienced and something I experienced was we started with chicken. You know and then uh, we did we didn't have retail pork until about two years later. Uh, I did some bulk pork my, my second year farming in 2008 but by the time I had retail pork to sell I mean people were so infatuated with the chicken it was I mean, all I heard for the first two years is when are you gonna do pork when are you gonna do beef when are you gonna do ter-? like yeah. it was just when are you when are you when are you and I'm like whoa 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 okay <laughs> one thing at <laughs> a time here um, and that's kind of a danger that you can try to do too much too fast and I think that's a trap that a lot of people fall into. Um, but the point is, if, if somebody walks up to me today at the farmer's market and they buy a package of chicken or they buy a package of, of bratwurst, you know, we've got five different brats we carry. Inevitably, within a week or two, they'll come back and say, Oh my gosh, those were so good. What else do you have? Yeah. They're hooked. So now you're function stacking what you can sell to that, to that one customer. And it's, uh, it's just a big snowball effect from a marketing standpoint.
0: What do you think the biggest advantage is for people in, in taking the online course you guys have put together?
1: Uh, avoiding the big type A mistakes. Um, you go into this, Jack, and I, I, I think you'll agree with this. Let's take farming out of the equation. You decide for yourself that you, you want to start to have more input on your destiny on this planet. Right. And and your career is a, a big, huge portion of that. So when you make the mental decision that I'm going to go build something for myself. Whatever that is, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and insert career path here. Um, you're taking a big leap of faith. It takes a ton of nerve. It, it, it takes a, a, a lot of uh, grit and um, self-determination. It takes time, it takes money, and it takes energy. And those final three things, you, you only have so much of those. And regardless of what it is you want to try and go build for yourself, if you run out of time, money, or energy, or two of the three, you'll quit, most likely. So the biggest advantage with the course is trying to help people maximize that that gusto, that drive to succeed and help them see where to best use those resources that are so limited. Um, I I will tell you that most of the people, not all, but most of the people that we see go through this course um, are somewhere between 25 and 40 years of age. They're typically married. They've typically got kids. And they typically have uh, a bachelor's degree or higher level of education, and, you know, they're busy. Like that is, I think, the busiest time of your life. Uh, you know, I started farming, uh, Jack, you, you know this. Uh, most of the people out there don't. My kids were five and two. I was commuting 45 minutes each way to a job. Um, you know, it was just terribly, terribly uh, busy uh, time of my life, and um, you know, we want to help people maximize, uh, you know, their their time, energy, and money, and that's that's the biggest advantage of the course, so that they don't blow up and quit. We want to see you succeed.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that is great. I think it's not just the time you save in learning; it's the time you're gonna then save in the doing. It, it, it's amazing how like you do a, you set up projects, you know, and you're like, well, I'll do that Saturday. And three Saturdays later, you're still jacking around with it. Now, that's fine in getting it done and there's a learning curve and all. But if what you're doing is something you should never have done in the first place and it eats up that much time on a part-time side hustle, and, and I think that's a huge advantage in taking a class like this where you have the time to take class, that then the person goes, like you said, the one that was like sure that they should do poultry. And went, nope, nope, for me, based on what I know now, I'm going to lead off the of pork. How much did that save that person?
1: Well, it saved him a whole winter of uh, building chicken tractors. <laughs> you know? The time,
0: that's what I'm saying, putting the time into yeah. the wrong thing. Because I think one of the – see, like when you have a job, unless the, the people you work for are idiots and are soon to be out of business and you therefore out of a job, you have someone to make sure that, that hard work you're doing is on the things you should be doing. When you go into entrepreneurship – you don't get any points for the amount of work or how hard you work or how many hours you do because the points in the end are the dollars. And you can work harder than you've ever worked in your life at the wrong things and end up with zero points or worse, end up having to give points away.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you're working without a net. And really, I think the biggest value that Diego and I have, have tried to build into the course, Jack, is, you know, you you go start something and like like me, like I had 600 bucks. That's literally what I've built our business from, which, you know, this year gross farm sales is going to be somewhere uh, between $180,000 and $200,000. I started with $600, a lot of grit and determination and a book from Joel Salatin. Um, And it was really, really hard. And I, I started with poultry because, that was all the more money I, you know, had to invest. That was, you know, and that sometimes you, you work through this holistic context, uh, section of the course that Diego has, and it may, it may just come down to money. Like, okay, well, I don't have that many financial resources. I want to, I want to try something. So I'm going to start here. Well, we'll, we'll show you how to make money with that. Right. And then you can take that seed money and, uh, take those profits and, and invest in the next thing. Um, but you know, I, you, again, you know, like you might have $10,000 to start your business and maybe you don't really have enough land for cattle and you have no experience, uh, in, in a, uh, you know, 100% grazing operation. And the worst mistake you could make is to go buy cow-calf pairs. And I talk to people that do that all the time. You know, they had $10,000 to spend. So they, they, they built some fence and they went and bought cow-calf pairs that they'll probably never make money with for a variety of reasons. And they've blown their energy, they've blown their money, and then they're just trying to get their time back, you know, and so they fail. And, we're, again, it's trying to help people avoid the landmines. You know, we can help you deal with the paper cuts, but if you step on a landmine, you blow yourself up, you you blow up your marriage, you know, uh, you, you blow up your relationship with your kids. Like, that's we, we don't want to see that happen. I, I'd rather have somebody jack farm part-time and be left wanting for more and still be a successful husband and father uh, as opposed to go farm full-time and, you know, lose his family. I mean, that – at the end of the day, that, that doesn't gain you a darn thing.
0: And it happens. I mean, I, it, I know for a fact it happens.
1: It happens a ton in farming. The divorce rate with, with farmers in, in in this segment, uh, you know, it's it happens. It happens.
0: I think a lot of that is the pie in the sky. You know, you mentioned, like, the people taking your courts are in – Generally in their 40s, they have degrees, they have professions, and all. There's a lot of people now jumping into this that are very young, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, early early 30s in that range, that have never actually been successful at anything when it comes to making money. They've never had a job that was you know well compensated job even. And I think on some levels that's really great, but what happens is they watch a bunch of videos and they see a bunch of green. both in the field and in in, in their mind, in in cash, and they think it's going to be really easy, they somehow scrape together some money, they go all in with having no idea what they're doing, and then they come out and say something like, it doesn't work. And I think that's really sad, because some of those people could be the best future farmers of tomorrow if they get off on the right foot. But they come up with some thought like, well, I'll just do direct-to-consumer. Okay, that is a fine revenue model. Do you have any idea how to do it? You know, you know what I'm saying. Like, just because somebody says words doesn't mean they know what that means.
1: Yeah, it's you know there, there are so many different hats to wear, um, and that's you know raising the animals is. I'll say I'll say it's up to fifty percent of the equation. I think fifty percent's being generous, honestly, um, because you've you know there's so many other things you've got to figure out. You know, managing cash flow and you know. Uh, particularly with what I do, a, a big chunk of my sales model is, is retail sales at the farmer's market. And the operative phrase there being retail sales, it is still retail and all of the little idiosyncrasies that, that come with it. You know, I mean, people are weird. They're odd. Uh, they can be difficult to deal with. And when you're direct selling stuff like that's something you've got to be, you know, prepared to, uh, to deal with. And, Hey, guess what? There's a module in the course on that very thing. Like we've we've literally tried to cover everything we can, but then again, we've got that Facebook group where you have direct access to me. Uh you've got access to other people who are doing exactly what you're doing. We've got a couple of other experts in there. Um another guy from Indiana named Luke Gross that's uh that's made it. You know, he's been farming for about five years. He's providing for a family of five with his farm on just 20 acres in southern indiana um and uh you know i'll mention too uh a project that diego and i are are literally working on right now be rolling out october 1st is uh you know a pastured poultry on farm processing course because that's that's a huge need Mm
0: -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. uh
1: i had a i had a, a expert counsel question a few weeks ago about like hey i'm I'm thinking about starting a, a processing business <laughs> you know what, what are your thoughts? Uh, so' we're, we're, we're investing into a young man out in North Carolina uh, whose name is Ben Grimes. He started processing on farm because his local processor he was depending on shut down. Yeah, so yeah. he had to fix the problem. Well, he's figured it out. Well now he's the only game in town and he's got more you know processing business than he can almost handle. So he's got a whole other business that that has sprung up out of this, and this is something we get a lot of questions on. So, you know, we're, we're going to have that standalone course, and I, that I don't care if you're a homesteader or what. If you tell me you're going to go process fifty chickens, that course is going to, in Ben's own words, he will save you the cost of his course, which is not going to be very much money. It's it's going to be like 149 bucks. He will save you that that 149 dollars. And not buying the incorrect knives to process <laughs> your birds. Um, so just learning from those who have been there, done that. Um, there's, you know, there's a whole lot of, of value there. Um, you know, I had a huge paradigm shift years ago. I went to a two day workshop, uh, when Acres USA was here in Indianapolis and signed up for this, this two day workshop. And I was 150, 200 bucks or something. And the guy uh who ran it, his name was Cody Holmes. He actually knows Greg Judy, he's in in central Missouri. That guy was throwing out two hundred dollar nuggets about every five minutes. You know, and it (laughs) it that it paid for itself a hundred times, Jack. And I love to teach, I believe in the mission, I want to see people succeed. So this isn't a, you know, uh get rich quick scheme. Um. Th- this is genuinely like if you're interested in this, you know, th- this this course is it's like a a good CPA. It's going to pay you back way more than you're going to invest into it if you're serious about it.
0: You know, on the uh, on the on farm processing is uh, a business unit of itself. I I think that is a, a tremendously uh, underutilized space. I think it's a place where you can really screw up to. Uh, but I would do it, I would be a customer of that service if it existed where I was. Now, they're not going to make a living off me. You know, I'd run 250 birds twice a year or something like that because of the size of my place limitations. And honestly, there's the whole thing about having 16 weeks a year without no chickens in your life, I dig that. I like that, right? Yeah. But I don't, it's not enough money in what I could do here without, doing more work than I want to do, be very clear, right? I could I do more, but I don't want to do more work. For me to take the time to process on-farm, and I don't have a processor like you do where I can package in retail, right? We have a, our own weird laws down here. I could do it with pork tomorrow, but I can't do it with chickens. It's, it's just a mess. But if I process on-farm, I can sell direct, no problem. I can sell that many birds. But I don't want to do to I don't want to do the processing. And it's not that I don't know how to process it, that I I don't really enjoy it, I don't really like it, and I don't have time for it, but I can move a couple tr- chicken tractors a day and, and and do the growing out and the marketing side without taking much out of my life. So I would be the customer of that service, but you got to have enough people like me in your area or you have to build enough people like me in your area to support that business, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I just – I think that is – Probably the single biggest thing I hear uh, from people want to get into this. I had an email from a guy yesterday, and he's, I I think, down Kentucky, Tennessee area, and he's like, it's it's three hours or four hours each way to the nearest processor. And I'm like, well, (laughs) here's your solution, right? Like, you either, and he's working off farm full time, and I'm like, you either start processing on farm or You do what I did in the early days, Jack. Uh, you use a vacation day or a personal day Mm -hmm. because that's the sacrifice that's required to haul the daggone things off to the butcher and go back over there and pick them up and bring them home. Like that's, you know, that's just kind of part of it. But, uh, you know, again, like this is going to be a self-contained course that it'll be more than worthwhile if you as a homesteader just want to know how to efficiently, uh, process and store bag 50 birds 75 birds whatever for your own home use it will more than pay for itself but it's going to be a full turnkey like hey i'm thinking about starting a processing business well then this is what you need to go do here's the le- legal stuff you got to what ben's going to walk you through like this is what i had to do in the state of north carolina this is my inspector this is how i work with my inspector this is how i keep my inspector happy you know i think about like uh you know, Rob Kaiser talking about the NRCS office when he was on your podcast. and I took him a box of donuts. Absolutely. Like, take your inspector a box of donuts. Make him happy. Um, but he walks you through everything. Not just which knives to buy and which killing cones and scalder and plucker, but, like, how much he pays his people. You know, how his space, uh, uh, pay scale uh, operates. Um, you know, how he goes about finding people to help him. Uh, you know, storage and, yeah. You know, did you know it takes four to five pounds of ice to to cool a bird down to forty degrees within four hours? Wow, that blew my mind because he had like a thousand pounds of ice in the back of his truck when we were there filming, and I'm like, oh, holy crap! And he's like, yeah, no, it's four to five pounds of ice in the summer when if it's 85, 90 degrees out, that's that's what it takes. You're now, not gonna miss that. You're gonna know that. You now know? let me
0: ask you something, Darby, because, um. When you gave that answer, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. This is where I had a disconnect. So, if I had a person here that would come do on farm processing for me, as long as I'm selling direct to the consumer off farm, there is no inspectors involved. So, is is that so that these people can then package and retail like you do that they have an inspector involved, or they just you have to have an inspector in, in his state? Period.
1: To- so yeah, so like so Texas. So you, you you can have this you know, this uh processor come, you know, do your birds and you can sell.
0: Yeah, they make it like it, it, there's no difference in him doing it and me doing it. Basically it was done right. on your farm. We don't give a damn how you get it done. Just right. get it. It's, it's all, and I can sell I think it's either 2,000 two thousand or twenty five hundred birds a year that way, which that would cover as much as I would ever do on three
1: eighty. That covers honestly, that covers ninety percent of producers. Yeah. North North Carolina, it's kinda like a step up. So uh, same deal, the inspector's not there. But they come out and inspect Ben's facility and say, OK, uh, it meets guidelines or, uh, you know, you, you need to upgrade this or change that. Let us know when that's done. We'll come back. And they, then they basically, you know, uh, give him a blessing and, and say, thou may uh, go butcher thy chickens and sell them off farm. Okay. But the inspector's not there. Now, Indiana, up until a couple of years ago, Indiana was more stringent. Um, they've since changed, but like when I first started, uh, I, I really couldn't process. I could process up to a thousand birds on farm. It was a loophole where Jack comes to my farm, buys a chicken. I offer to butcher the chicken free of charge. Jack accepts. I butcher the chicken and give him the chicken that day. I can't store it.
0: Okay.
1: Can't sell it off farm. That's since changed. But back then, your only option to sell off farm above board, which I'm all about trying to do things above board, uh, because... You know, uh, dealing with, as you like to say, the Department of Making You Sad is is no fun because they have a bigger stick than you do. Um, I, I had to go to a state-inspected facility, and, and that's what I still do now just because the logistics are worked out. And like you, I just like – I don't want to butcher. It's just – it's not something I enjoy. It's not that I can't. But early on, I, it wasn't even an option.
0: Well, I can make more money using my time to do something else.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So – we go, and the state of Indiana sends out a a board of animal health inspector that literally looks at every chicken that's being butchered by hand by this Amish family, and gives it a, a a thumbs up, or he may say, nope, this wing is uh it's it's blemished, so cut the wing off. The rest of it's fine, um you know, and then they vacuum seal it, put a, a weight price label on it, which in the state of Indiana I'm required to have. Ben walks you through all this stuff, like he was going to walk you through, this is how you find out what regulations you're not even aware of that you're going to need to meet. You know, maybe a no go in your state. It may be easier than you think. Every state's different, but you know, aside from the, the how to like, this is how you effectively and efficiently butcher chickens. Like if you want to do it as a business, there's that whole component that's going to be included.
0: Yeah. And it is variable. Like, so knowing what to know to look for will let you adapt to your environment because like, so here, just so I'm not misunderstood by anybody listening to me that's going to go start doing this in Texas tomorrow without doing something smart like taking a course, uh, I can do that, and I can sell, and I can store on farm. I can't take those birds down the farm to fork like I used to do my eggs, at a little grocery store in downtown Fort Worth, and let them sell them. Right. I can't do it, and I can't part them out and put them into, like, stores like that. I can sell birds on farm. Now, I can part them out for you on farm. But – I would probably just stick the whole birds in that situation, um, but there's not really a mechanism to do that the way you're talking about in Texas. I have got to go to a certified facility with an inspector on site, I, site in the state, and there's some guys doing some good work trying to change that in Austin right now. But you know they have a bigger stick, is the way you just described it. So this is different everywhere, but. I can make, like, I. what I'm kind of pointing out is, so I have an advantage over someone in your state, in that it is totally okay for me to have somebody else process my birds on site, buy a great big freezer, do 2,500 birds a year, and sell on farm. You can't do that model. You have an advantage in that you can find a state-level inspective facility, and you can sell retail, which is a huge advantage. So you take information like you're providing – and then you adapt to your situation and figure out what advantages do you have. That's always the key in business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's that's something I talk a lot about in the course. It's like you, you've got to analyze, like, what is your unfair advantage, right? And I'll, I'll use Greg Judy as an example. His unfair advantage is that he's out in the middle of nowhere. And he can lease burned out ground that's been stripped of any soil. It's old wheat field. Yeah. For as low as 20 or $30 an acre. <laughs> And he's that's had it, he philosophy why which,
0: that's why his philosophy is, why would you buy land?
1: Why would you buy land? And that's, you, you've always got to understand context. When I get these quick, quick tangent, we get these, well, you should never make hay or you should only bale feed or you should only raise or do, context is king, yeah. right? So if I'm Greg, there's no reason to go buy the property. You know, he's had people actually give him land. Like if you can make something grow on it and you'll manage it. You can have it, right? Well, here, you know, I'm leasing ground from my own family, and it's $130 an acre, right? So I've <laughs> got a disadvantage there. But my my unfair advantage is I am 35 minutes from downtown Indianapolis, and I'm 35 minutes from downtown Bloomington, which is where Indiana University is located. Both have thriving local food scenes. So I've got a marketing advantage. So it's okay that I pay somebody else to butcher my chickens, or I have a, a higher, uh, you know, lease rate on the ground because I can make that back on my retail stuff. Now Greg's got a lower cost of production, but he's he has to drive a lot further or work a lot harder for marketing, and that helping helping people through the course understand like these are your unfair advantages. This is what's going to begin to shape your business as it grows. Is just another, you know, key reason to again, you know, learn from somebody who's been there, done that, right? Um, and then, and then really the other thing I love about it is like, look, it's online. So, you know, you buy a seat, we basically say anybody in your physical house has access your wife, your husband, your significant other, kids, uncle, I don't care. Gotcha. you. So if, if you watch something and then you want your spouse to watch it, have them go watch it. If you got to watch it again six months later, you know, you, you only learn, if you go sit in a class, you know, statistics tell us you're, you're going to somewhere between five and 10% is what you're going to retain from if I get up and talk to you for three days. But when you've got it online, uh, and you know, you've got all these digital tools, like you can, Watch it and learn again at your own pace. You can watch it as many times as you need to. You can go into the Facebook group, ask me a question, ask somebody else a question. There's just a lot of advantages to, to doing it this way. And that's, that's one of the, the big reasons that we decided to embark on the what's undoubtedly thousands of hours of work between myself and Diego to, to get this behemoth of a course out there.
0: And do you have any uh, additional support? Like, is it just the course, or is there, like any kind of community? Uh, I think you mentioned a Facebook group, things like that.
1: Yep, yep. So the Facebook group is a big thing. Um, we do some webinars, you know, where people can ask questions that way. Um, but the uh, the the Facebook group is, I, I just, you know, everybody's in a Facebook group, and you think, oh yeah, great, another Facebook group. No, this this group is absolutely amazing. It is. It's just a terrific group of people who are there to answer questions, you know. And, again, we've got this whole spectrum of I'm just starting out to, uh, you know, a gal named uh, Deborah Bruner out in Idaho who's in her mid-60s and started a pastured poultry enterprise, a beef enterprise, and a vegetable enterprise uh, on her farm in Idaho. You know, and she's got a lot of life experience. This is their third cattle ranch they've had um and she's just such a wealth of knowledge um you know and it's it's uh, it's just great to have that community and it's a, it's a it's a smaller community you know it's not like a free facebook group where there's you know 1000 or 10000 people in it um and uh it's it's just a phenomenal resource and like i said you've got access to me you know if you buy the full course
0: awesome so how many students have participated in the workshops and how many online
1: so uh we ran about a hundred people uh through three iterations of the the in person workshop over the course of a year and a half and then online we we had a lot of people who you know went through the in person workshop that they actually signed up for the online course uh when it came out they they got a massive discount to sign up because they supported us early on um we've we've got uh i wanna think here. Probably total with the people who went through the in person and then signed up for online plus the online. There's pro- probably about I'd say uh, 75 very active people in that group out there.
0: Very cool. And um, what are some? I mean, you kind of just went over one there. Do you have any some success stories from students, people that have taken this and put it to work? Because I think that's really critical.
1: Yeah. So I mentioned the guy earlier that you know was. Gonna go build chicken tractors in his garage all winter. His name's Tyler. He's in West Virginia. Um, you know, it, it, his, his goal was, was kind of the one I mentioned. Like they've got two small kids, he and his wife, and he really wants her to be able to stay at home. And this is something that they can kind of tag team on. And they're raising some pigs and he's in the process of building fence so they can raise some cows. Um, and, uh, he's, he's one of those guys. He came to the in-person workshop and, uh, he also bought the online version just because he saw the value in it. Uh, there's a, uh, a gentleman named Chris that he and his wife actually moved from the state of California, um, to Minnesota, uh, to, uh, buy a farm. Uh, he'd been a contractor his whole life. His wife's a teacher. She got a good teaching job. He found a farm he wanted to buy and like, he's doing it. You know, I mean, he's year one, like he dove in. Um, he came to the in-person course last fall and is doing uh, poultry, pork, and beef, selling at farmer's markets, selling to, uh, you know, granola, uh, you know, mom's groups via Facebook, um, selling, you know, half and whole animals, and is running out of product. You know, he had, had a note this week, he's like, should I skip the farmer's market for a couple of weeks? Because, like, I'm out of everything. I have nothing to sell until I get stuff back. Or should I go and stand there and, you know, just say, hey, I'll have more stuff in a couple of weeks? I mean, that that was, you know, his problem. Um, nice problem to have, huh? Nice problem to have. And, I you know, there's just uh, an- another guy that moved from uh, Colorado to, to upstate New York. Uh, uh, his name is Josh. And he, same thing, bought a farm and. He and his wife are doing uh, microgreens, a little bit of veg, and then he's he's doing uh, beef, pork, and, and poultry. Um, and he just, I mean, again, came to the in-person, bought the online course. And uh, the people that are active in this group, like, they're doing stuff. They are entrepreneurs, right? And if you ask a question and they've got experience, man, they're, they're quick to chime in and, and tell you – what they did wrong, what they did to resolve it, you know, they, they want to help, I guess, is the, the biggest thing.
0: Gotcha. And uh, if you want to sign up for this, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: So uh, cur- currently, uh, registration to the full course is not open. It's going to open up on October 1st. Okay. Um, and if you uh, want to learn more about that, you can listen to the Grassfed Life podcast and go out to grassfedlife.co. Um and we'll announce all the details. I, I, I will give you a little teaser. Uh if you buy the full course in the month of October, there's going to be a very nice bonus that you'll you'll get for signing up in the month of October. Uh so you just have to stay tuned for more details on that. Uh currently, if if somebody's interested, um they can go out there, they can preview the course, they can look at everything that's contained in it. Again, twenty three modules, there's over thirty hours of uh, a video on this thing. Seven hours, I didn't even mention this, Jack. There's seven hours of video on farm, on my farm. Okay. Me walking you through everything, everything I use, all the tools, all the tips, all the tricks, you know, loading pigs. I show people how to load pigs, auto loading pigs in like 30 seconds. The, the first time I loaded pigs, it took like eight hours. I mean, what, what is the value of that? Um, then we've got, we've got 23 modules, everything from financial planning, to you know the how to, how to raise the animals, market analysis, sales models, um, pricing all your cuts. You know I walk through like this is how if you're gonna sell a pig all a cart, well this is how you need to break it down and make sure that you're getting all the extra money that you should be getting to take the time to, to retail it. Pasture management like it's just go out and look at it. There's free preview videos at farmbusinessessentials.com. You can kind of check that out. If you can't wait to get started, you can you can buy the pasture and poultry course right now. Um, and then if you decide, yeah, no, I like it, I dig it, I want to upgrade to the full thing, then you just let us know, we just charge you the difference. You can upgrade to the full course, and of course, if you if you do that in October, you're going to get that that bonus uh, that I that I mentioned. But uh, that's that's all at farmbusinessessentials.com, and then there's the whole other the grassfedlife.co website, which is all free. Free podcasts, free blogs, um, uh, some free guides that I've written are out there, and we're going to be starting a YouTube channel.
0: So where- real quick, just like – so people can't sign up for it now. So you've had students already do online course, or so Are you, have you like – are you improving it? Are you re-releasing it? I mean why can't they sign up now?
1: Yeah, so we uh, took the summer to add some more content to it. Okay. And um, just enhance it, put some more things into it. Um, so instead of f- focusing on, you know, uh, marketing, selling, getting the new students registered and all that, we we took a couple months off so we could get some more stuff into it, and we're basically, you know, uh, relaunching it on on October first. Gotcha. We'll be fully comprehensive and 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 uh, and ready to roll. But no, people are signed up and using it. They they've been signed up and using it uh, since March. Um, but we just, when we decided we wanted to add some more stuff to it this summer, we thought, you know what, let's just stop the sales for a little bit till we can get this other stuff out there and, and have it be uh more comprehensive. Cause like I said, we both, you know, Diego and I both personally, and you know, our personalities are like, well, oh, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll just keep adding value. Like that's just kind of what we're all about. So that's, that's what we've been doing all summer.
0: Very, very cool. Well, Darby, I, I appreciate you being with us today. And uh, as always, you're always welcome on the air, and uh, we'll keep hearing for, from you uh, with expert counsel, I'm sure. But but thanks for joining us today and telling us all about what you got going on.
1: Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on, Jack. And again, uh, don't feel like you have to buy the course. There's a lot of free stuff out there. At the end of the day, just trying to help people be regenerative and improve the land, improve, improve their lives and their health. Uh, you know, through all these resources and I, you know, I hope people, uh, know that that's like the, the genuine reason of my heart, why I do this, why I stick myself out there. Uh, so feel free to use all those free resources, but if you get serious about wanting to do this as a business, then, you know, check out the, uh, the courses that we have out at farmbusinessessentials.com.
0: And kind of a little pitch for you here at the end with this, um, I had a mentor that I I, I still to this day thinks one of the guys that taught me the most uh, that I that I know about business and sales marketing. His name was Frank Madron. He was a uh, North Carolina redneck, and he really changed my perspective on some things. You know, I'm a guy that didn't go to college, and I've been very proud of the fact that I've learned a lot through experience. And I remember one day he was he was talking to me and having his little Madronisms. He called them. One was, you know, even a turkey can fly in a tornado and stuff like that. And he said. Uh, do you think it's better to learn by experience or, you know, from someone who, who already knows? And in my youthful arrogance, I was about 27 years old, I said, well, from experience. He said, how would you feel if you were about to get put under and a cardiologist was about to operate on your heart? And he said, don't worry, I've learned everything through experience alone. Or you were about to be put on trial for your life and your lawyer said, don't worry, I've learned everything just from experience. You know, you might want that they would have learned some of what they know from someone that already knows, and that that's always stuck with me, and I think when it comes to, you know, gambling with your money and your time, because that's what farming is, that it makes a lot of sense to learn from someone who's already done, who's already had those, you know, good experiences and bad experiences, and give you a good start, so that would be my biggest reason for folks that want to, uh, to farm for money, uh, side hustle full-time, or even just to make money through producing better quality food for themselves than they can buy uh, to take a course. And uh, I don't know of anything like yours out there. So I'd say it's probably worth the wait till October to sign up for it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I said, we we've put a ton of energy into it and I, I appreciate the, the compliments and uh, uh, everything you've done for Diego and I. And um, just, you know, hope people go out, check it out, and uh, give it some consideration.
0: All right. Well, hey, Garvey, again, thanks for being with us today.
1: Always happy to be on, Jack. Well, great interview. I have links to
0: Darby's websites, his course, all of that good stuff in the show notes today. And uh, I'll just say if you want to uh, take advantage of that, come on by. Look for episode 2272 and you'll find those links. But again, uh, Farm Business Essentials is the name of the course. If you Google that, you'll uh, you'll have it pop right up. And as we wrap up today, I want to remind you that you can help support my show and the work that I do really easily. And all you have to do to be able to do that is do your online shopping when you're going to do it through tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z.com, tspaz.com. I have a cool item of the day for you. I actually brought this item to you. Let me see when I originally did it back in August 10th. 2016. I think I brought it back once since then. So a little over a year I got this product uh, online for you. It's sardines. And I know some people are like, hold on, hold on. Now, if you really just don't like fish and you don't like kind of the oily, fatty type of fish that sardines are, you're probably not going to like this stuff. If you're kind of like, sardines are okay, but I really don't like them, you need to find out about Matisse Gallego. Uh, I am a sardine connoisseur. I really am. And I love sardines. Even the stinky, nasty ones I kind of like. But, you know, they do have something lacking. About a year ago, in trying to make sure that I had enough omega-3 oils in my life, I decided to go on a quest and find the best sardine that you could find in a can. I mean, the best sardines in the world are fresh. They're hard to get in the United States, though, because where they really are and when they're fished and, you know, fish fresh and American diets and everything it just makes it where it's not really you know the kind of place where you're going to find a fish market with fresh sardines so i started digging through and i was like okay i'm not alone there's a lot of connoisseurs out there and people that really care about sardines and i found tons of places where they reviewed sardines and i found in there was a lot of discrepancy you know like 3 through 10 uh in fact 2 through 10 but there was one brand that always showed up as number 1 or number 2 everywhere was Matisse Gallego so I ordered some and I went okay I get it uh, these things are great they don't have that stink uh, they're packaged in olive oil salt and fish that's it you know their own oil some olive oil and some salt no garbage in them. they're plump they smell good um, they're they're headed they do have skin and bones but like most sardines the bones just you eat them they just and that's great you get all that nutrition from them they are great to have in your pantry. Because one of the things we as preppers struggle with is protein and high-quality fats that will store a long time. I have some some of them in my cabinet right now. I just looked at them before I updated this article. The expiration date on the can is 2023, 2023. In other words, they last. And I don't have any problem with that because the other thing is eat what you store, store what you eat. So you get this high-quality stuff. Each can gives you 228 calories, 130 in high-quality fats, and 98 from one of the best sources of protein on the planet. The other way you can get your omega-3s is things like um, salmon, uh, mackerel, and other predator fish, tuna. The problem is they're so high up in the food chain, they bioaccumulate toxins like mercury. This does not mean I'm not going to eat salmon and tuna. I love salmon and tuna. And a certain amount of that, maybe one meal a week is okay. I'm more of the kind of guy, a meal of those fish every other week. and giving my body time to deal with the toxins that are in them. Our bodies can deal with toxins, if they couldn't, you'd be dead. But we don't want to overload them. Sardines are low on the food chain, and that means they're eating plankton, and they don't bioaccumulate a lot of these toxins, so they're much safer fish to eat a couple times a week. I do eat these probably at least twice a week. So this is all good stuff, and I've told you all this before. They're fantastic with avocado, but I have something special for you today. Last week, I brought you a guy on YouTube called Alex the French Guy, from Alex the French Guy Cooking, uh, that Patrick from mt Eyes introduced me to. Well, I've been binging his channel, and he has six creative recipes using a can of sardines. Actually cooking with sardines. Some of the recipes aren't really cooking, but some of them are. Some of them are more an assemblage, like uh, a maki sushi roll that uses sardines. That's pretty cool. But can you imagine frying a sardine? It seems ridiculous. He has a way to do it. I tried it. It's awesome. My mind is swimming now with what I can do with these beyond eating them straight out of the can with avocado and flax crackers and or with salad and lettuce wraps and avocado. That's one of the ways I really like them. And I'm even playing with can we come up with kind of a sushi roll type thing that's on the the the, the way that they do the you know if you if you think about eel. If you like sushi, eel is really amazing. You know, and you could probably use this as a substitute for it. So I'm playing with it. But no matter what you do, give these things a try. And if nothing else, get by T-SPAS today, pull up the most recent reviews, and check out the French guy's two videos on cooking with sardines. It'll open up a whole new set of options for long-term protein and fat storage, and it'll let you follow the golden rule of food storage. Store what you eat, and eat what you store. So check it out, and remember, whenever you shop at tSPaz.com, you help support the show and the work that we do. Also, real quick reminder this is the last day, the last day, the last day, the last day of the current sale. You can get $15 off annually of the $50 membership, making a membership in the Member Support Brigade $35 a year with discount code 10 years. It can either be 10 years or TEN years. Either one will work. Sign up online, just go to survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. And remember, when I say a sale's over, it's over. Jack Spirko does not care if your dog ate your discount code. When the sale's over, the sale's over. We ran it for a little over a week to celebrate 10 years of TSP, make supporting the show at about 12 cents an episode possible, last chance. That brings us to our song of the day. I dig this song, man. I was a kid when this song came out, and I dug this song as a kid. It's by the Moody Blues, and it's called The Voice. This is a very kind of philosophical uplifting song looking toward the future and it's it's just to me it's one of the best songs they ever did it's also what brought them back from the brink of oblivion they had done an album in 1978 it did chart in the United States but it didn't really it, it wasn't like you know back when they did way before back in like the 60s or early 70s they did Nights in White Satin that was the one that blew them up the first time and the last time they had done an album before the one they did in '78 was 1971, so '78 kind of uh, eh, 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 eh. and then you know this song comes out in uh, 1981, ten years you know from having a really significant hit. It was really I think '68 was when Lights and White Satin hit, and that was really the big hit. That I said. so, say '68 to '81, with even though there's some albums out, they're not like catching on fire or anything. It's a long time ago. And it did absolutely blow them up all over again. And they had an album in between 81 and 86. I don't remember what it was called. It did okay. But then in 1986, they released what I think is their biggest hit in the United States, Your Wildest Dreams. If not for this, you know, reviving them like musical CPR. They, I don't think they would have come back around. And I think they're still around making music today. I also think there's there's something that's really changed in the music industry because of digital downloads, right? So, I think this this uh this album charted at like 15 in the United States, but the this song that we're about to play for you, Voice, uh went went platinum number 1. And so the the the, the album did well because people bought the album just to get the song i guess those dates are gone let's give you a little bit of the lyrics of this song though to put you in the mood for it um great message in it won't you take me back to school i need to learn the golden rule won't you lay it on the line i need to hear it just one more time oh won't you tell me again oh can you feel it oh won't you tell me again tonight Each and every heart, it seems, is bounded by a world of dreams. Each and every rising sun is greeted by a lonely one. Cause out to the ocean of life, my love. There's so many storms we must rise above. Can you hear the spirit calling as it's carried across the waves? You're already falling. It's calling you back to face the music and the song that's coming through. You're already falling, the one that's calling you. Make a promise, take a vow, and trust your feelings. It's easy now. Understand the voice within, and feel a change already beginning. And I I just think this is like one of those songs that really is poetry put to music. And it really has a hundred different interpretations. But in the end, it is about that voice. And this is one of those songs, like the, the title, you know, is not the song. It's not like the title is The Chorus. You know, Won't You Tell Me Again might be more of a typical title for this. The, 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 the word, the voice, is only used, or the phrase, the voice, is only used once in this song. But it's aptly named because that's really what this song's about, the voice within. And as we've been talking about managing wealth, building businesses, how to sell this week, That voice within is the number one one determination of your success or your failure. And in general, it's your number one determination of your success or failure in life, even if it's not related to money. That voice inside of you can inspire you and drive you forward and make you make good decisions, or it can hold you back and hold you down. So connect with that voice. Connect with that voice, but make sure it's saying the right things. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Promise, take a bow, and
1: trust your feelings, it's easy now.
0: Understand the voice within,
1: and feel the change already begin.